Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram and joining me on the line again as usual this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter's the Chief Rugby League Writer for the Yorkshire Evening Post as well as writing occasionally for our sister paper the Yorkshire Post too. I've been away for a couple of weeks and it's fair to say as a Wakefield fan it hasn't been particularly good. They were knocked out of the Challenge Cup. So it's another year without visiting Wembley, even if we could visit Wembley, as it were. And also some poor results in the league. And I think the virus and the coming back to play the game again seems to be taking its toll on some of the squads, Peter. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, Rich, but yeah, you say it's, it's not been great for Wakefield, but it no. could have been much worse, could it? Really, when you think about everything that, that no. could go wrong has gone wrong. Um Successive games in the league where they failed to score. Um, a cup tie in in the middle of that, they were they were knocked out by Catalans. We've got a couple of players have tested positive for um, COVID nineteen, and the squad's highest earner and probably biggest name player, Dave Fafita, has been stood down because he he won't wear a GPS tracker. Yeah, but um, you know, apart from that, everything's everything's going smoothly. <laughs> It's been it, fantastic. It's, it's been really tough it for Wakefield. Um, I think the, the action on on Dave Fafita is absolutely right. If he's not cooperating with the track and trace system, uh, I think they, they had no choice but to stand him down. But, but well done to them for taking that decisive action. Um, I think he's he's let his teammates down there. Really, I, I yeah. can't understand what his um, what his reasoning is, but I think it's very disappointing. Um, makes you wonder where it leaves him in terms of his uh, Trinity career. Now they they signed him onto a contract, a longer contract last year when other clubs were were sniffing around him, but he's not made the the impact since then that he was doing before it. So some of that due to um, to injuries he had was injured at the Magic Weekend last year and never really shamed that off, unfortunately. Um, and this latest setback, it just does make you wonder whether he'll be at Wakefield long term. Um, but very unfortunate what's happened with the uh, COVID situation. They had to stand a couple of players down from the game against Warrington last week who'd been identified on track and trace after Catalans had some positive tests. And, and now Wakefield have had a couple so it's it's tough times for them um and worrying times obviously the form hasn't been great anyway um just points difference now keeping them off the foot of the table after whole okay, had that fantastic win over wigan the other night the positive thing obviously is that there's no relegation this year so it's not a crisis even if wakefield finish bottom they're not going to go down but um they could certainly deal with some good news I think just to cheer everybody at, at the club up, it's um, it's a tough time for them at the moment. It is, and to be fair, it really the last eighteen months or so, they, you know, it's always from a Wakey fans' point of view, the glass is half empty, it would seem. But they don't since they finished fifth that time a couple of years ago. They just don't seem to have had any luck with injuries at all. And you know, in the past, you could say sometimes Wakefield have been guilty of shooting themselves in the foot. But I think. In the last few weeks and months, Chris Chester, I don't know how many black cats he's run over, but he just doesn't seem to have had any luck at all on or off the field. And as soon as they get a couple of players back, 
a couple more are injured. Um, again, Tom Johnston is out again, isn't he, for a period of time. And as you say, Fafita's actions really are pretty indefensible at this stage when so many others are doing their best to try and get games played and to try and keep this horrible virus out of the game. And especially at a club like Wakefield where players are thin on the ground compared to some of the bigger clubs anyway and they haven't got the same resources to call on you know, decent backup players. That's not to say that those players aren't good, but we're not talking like the likes of, say, Warrington and so on, who can play with several players in isolation and perhaps still get a result. From my point of view, I didn't see the games against Catalan because I was away, but, you know, obviously I read the reports and caught up with a friend of mine last week who's a big Wakey fan and obviously told me they were never really at the races and he had a bit of a rant about Fafita too there, saying that, you know, he'd had enough of him really, you know, that Wakefield had kind of laid down everything for him in terms of a, a decent contract. He's basically the number one player at the club. You and I have spoke several times about what a great player he is and the positives that he brings to the club and the profile that he brings to the club. But at the end of the day, if he's not happy there or he's not willing to fit in with the rest of the group, then, you know, perhaps it's best that the two parties go their separate ways sooner rather than later. Um, I think the other thing regarding the COVID situation from Wakefield's point of view, I did see the game against Warrington on Sunday and uh, I thought they put up a decent fight, but at the end of the day, the team that Wakefield put out was nowhere near competitive enough really to ever threaten Warrington. Um, I think they made a few bad decisions on the last play and they seemed to run out of numbers and energy again towards the end. But I, I, th I don't think you could fault the Wakefield players' effort at all. Uh, I thought they really tried and gave it a good go. And um, it just worries me a little bit, you know, going further ahead that perhaps teams are going to have to put players out or players who aren't quite fit or young players who aren't quite ready in order to try and get the TV games fulfilled. And I don't blame them for that. You know, obviously, this is a very serious time. Probably the whole future of the game is at stake. But you just wonder about the quality and, you know, the number of blowouts and so on if this continues uh, down the line, which it would seem inevitably it's going to. Well, it's, it is difficult, yeah, the... Everybody in, in the sport, or virtually everybody, is doing all they can to get games on. I think the RFL, Super League, the clubs should all be commended for that. I mean, yes. we're recording this on Friday evening, and Warrington are playing Hull tonight. Now, they've had seven players who've had to stand down either. I think they've had one positive test, and the others have been... In, identified on track and trace and obviously they could have called the game off but they want to fulfill the fixture and, and they've said they'll go through with it That's, which is really commendable with seven players missing um whether they should be allowed to go through with it's maybe a, a debatable point because obviously if um if more cases were to develop in the warrington camp and then they went on and spread them to hold that that just becomes a vicious circle doesn't it but it shows how everyone is trying to to make sure the sport gets through this really difficult time but with games being called off Leeds have lost two in the space of less than a week they were due to play 
as we've mentioned, Wakefield last Thursday and then Catalans away on the Monday. Now, neither of them's happening, so that's two more games to fit in. And there is going to inevitably come a point where it just isn't physically possible to get all the games in. Yeah. So then, then what do we do? Do we extend the season beyond the end of November, which I suppose is a possibility, but... Next year's a World Cup year. I've spoken to Kevin Sinfield about this. He's, his thoughts on it will be in Saturday's evening post and online. Um, as he points out, a World Cup year, very important year for the sport, and we don't want really to, to be affecting that. No. So some solution has to, has to be found. Kevin's suggested um, some options. Possibly if a team can't fulfil the fixture because they've got an outbreak of COVID, maybe then the game should just be awarded to the other team, say a, a 20 nil win or an 18 nil win or something, which is the sort of thing they do in the amateur game when, when a team can't fulfil a fixture because everybody's on a, a stag do or, some, or yeah. something or at a wedding. Um, it gets awarded to the other team and, and maybe that we'll have to look at that. It's obviously, it's tough on the team who can't fulfil the fixture through no fault of their own. But if if this continues, it's just it's getting very difficult to see everybody playing twenty two fixtures by I think it's the thirteenth, fourteenth of November, the last round of the regular season. Just I don't see how every club is going to be able to fit every game in by then. So something is going to have to be um, have to be done if this situation continues. And you'd be surprised, wouldn't you, if there are no more positive tests because the kids are back at school now. Um, life is returning to something approaching normality. People in the rugby league world are are not kept in a bubble. They're out and about. Um, I know um, players that I've spoken to are doing everything they possibly can to, to keep themselves isolated, not to run risks, but inevitably the virus is going to affect more clubs in the future. We're going to have more games off and, and it's just a snowball effect. I'm just not sure where it's it's going to end. Um, I think expecting teams to play three games in a week is going to be too much. Yeah, We're already picking up. We've seen the game is faster and more unrelenting than it's ever been. It just doesn't stop at the moment with no scrums and the six again rule. Um, there does, does seem to be a, a worrying number of injuries cropping up. And that's only going to get worse. I think we have to think of, of the players' health and safety. Of course, there's a, a Sky TV contract to be considered as, as well. Um, at the moment, the sport is doing everything it can to fulfil that. Sky are getting double headers or possibly triple headers every week, which you'd think they'd be happy with. Maybe they're not having the quite the same number of games as, as they'd have wanted, but they are getting um, they are getting events and I hope I hope they appreciate the efforts that, that are being put in by clubs and players and, and the sport as a whole to to make sure Sky and get what they pay for. Yeah, uh, certainly echo what you just said there, Peter. I mean, at the end of the day, players have got to get out and about. The sport itself can't afford to keep people in a bubble like, say, they've done in cricket, where people have been living at hotels on the grounds and playing in two sort of biosecure grounds at Southampton and Manchester. 
and uh, obviously again that be detrimental to a player's uh, family and personal life and uh, as you've rightly pointed out the players have already given up a lot you know they've taken pay cuts and they've had to um obviously playing more games in a shorter period more players are getting bashed up um my only fear again with the actual sort of concession of a game would be where it would leave a club with sky or where it would leave the sport with sky i suppose we need to look into that in some more detail uh, although Sky, I'm sure, are delighted with the games that they're getting, and and fans as well. Obviously, at least they're getting everybody's getting a chance to see every team play when they're available to play. Uh, but you'd think that if games were suddenly started falling by the wayside because there weren't enough players or they'd played too many games in a week, I don't know how the broadcasters would feel about that. I suppose that's one of the perils of only having a, a smaller team competition, which of course then has been reduced by one with Toronto dropping out. Uh, so, again, as we've said many times on here, it's, it's, it's a very tough uh, decision that somebody will have to take somewhere down the line. I wouldn't imagine the clubs can afford to lose any more money by losing out on a TV fee. But then on the flip side of that, if you put out a, a virtual youth team against, say, for an example, say Wakefield were due to play Wigan and they had a, a few COVID cases and a lot of injuries... And they put out a youth team thinking, well, we're not going to beat Wigan, but next week we've got Hull KR, so we'll save all our players for that game. Again, you know, if you get start getting big blowouts, I don't know how the broadcast uh, partners would feel about that. But, uh, you know, at least, at least games are... Sorry, Peter. No, I was going to say, that's a good point. It's not great television, is it, if a, if, if a weakened team's hammered by... Um... Hammered by stronger opposition. No. Um, I mean, the Sky have already um, are, are getting a rebate next year on on um, the deal, so clubs are getting less money next year. Yes. Than, than they would have been due. I said the, the concern is that there's a Sky contract renewal coming up, and everybody's obviously concerned that that goes goes well, and that that the sport gets a decent deal out of that. A lot of effort is being made to, to keep Sky happy, and as I say, I hope they appreciate appreciate that. I just mentioned uh, Toronto there, Peter, and just for a moment before we move on, uh, obviously there's been talk again this week that they may well be allowed back in the competition next year, uh, which again, I think we've said several times on here, could be a possibility, uh, largely because they need a 12-team competition and they don't want the the game itself doesn't want to see the Canadian experiment fail at such an early stage. Uh, Tony Smith, the whole KR coach, I think hinted that one of the reasons Neil Hudgel, the whole KR owner, was getting out of the game was because uh, Toronto were going to be allowed back in, although he didn't actually name them. But I think he he said enough to make it clear who he was talking about. And I just feel. You know they they let us down in their hour, in our hour of need, didn't they? And then they wanted to come back in uh, next season and start again as if nothing happened. Mm, I think we we need to wait and wait and see, don't we, and, until it's confirmed. But it it looks like they probably will be allowed back in next year. They've had it very tough. They've not had obviously the the British UK government support the clubs in this country have received. Having said that, then obviously the financial problems 
Um, I've led to players not being paid on time, which isn't isn't really acceptable. That that's something a no. bottom line really. Clubs, yeah. clubs should pay the players. Um, I think there are two red lines: pay your players and fulfil your fixtures, and they've not done either. Yes. Um, I I would like to see Toronto continue and to be successful, but I have serious doubts over whether it would be the right thing to do to simply let them back in Super League next year, having dropped out halfway through this season. So it's a it's a tough one, really, and I, I think it's a, a worrying precedent if they were allowed to just pick up from from where they left off. Really, um, but we want we want Toronto to be a success as a game. I know a lot of people are, are anti-Toronto, but if they do well, it can only be a good thing for the for the game on a wider level. Yeah. So it's a it's a tough one, but I I suspect they will be playing in Super League next year. But as I say, I'm not sure it's the right thing for um, for the competition. Really, do you carry on then with eleven clubs? Well, I think that's workable. It's what's happening this this year um, with teams having a buy round, and I, I think the competition can be run on on that basis. Um, then don't have relegation in in 2021 and, and promote a team from the championship, bringing it back up to 12. That yeah. that would work, in my opinion. But we'll have to see what's what's decided. I think there's going to be an announcement on that fairly soon. Hopefully the game will get some cast-iron guarantees, if nothing else, from Toronto that they have got the finance to clear their obligations and for going forward, and also the ability to compete next season and in the years ahead. Um, We've been talking about the TV anyway, Peter, on to a bit of a brighter note, and I don't think anyone could argue that the two games we saw last night weren't a superb advert for the game. Uh, despite all the issues that have been going on on and off the field over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, fantastic for the competition that Hulk KR beat Wigan. It's always good when somebody beats Wigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Hulk KR did it in style, yes. didn't they? I thought they played really well. They're a terrific team to watch, as you expect from a Tony Smith team, really. They chuck the ball around. Um, they take risks. It doesn't always work for them, but it worked for them against Wigan and they were thoroughly deserved winners, putting a little bit more pressure on Wakefield in the race to not finish bottom, although as, as we've said, it doesn't really matter too much this year, does it? No relegation. But the strength of any competitions in, in the bottom team, you want bottom teams to be able to beat teams at the top. So it's it certainly was a good spectacle for the television viewers and has, has breathed a bit more life into the competition. And the, the Castleford against Salford game um, described as totally crazy by Daryl Powell the Castleford coach and, and you'd have to agree with that <laughs> Castleford 18-0 down after 11 minutes and actually at that point I said in the press box oh look Castle go on and win this because the two of the three previous games they'd lost um, they were 14-0 up early on against Catalans and 12-0 up early on against Wigan I thought well maybe they're, they're trying to do it the other way around this time so it proved and yeah. They got in before half time, went in at the break level, and and then just managed to hold off Salford in the second half once they got the noses in front. Very important win for Cass that one, I think, just to 
to um, give them a bit of confidence and, and a bit of a boost after a tough restart, really, following um, following COVID. A few things have gone against them. They've not been playing particularly well, but and I don't think they've played particularly well in patches last night, but they showed what they can do with ball in hand. Um, they're a good attacking team, and it was good to see Paul McShane back to something like his best. I, I thought he was exceptional. Yeah. Um, Danny Richardson got man of the match officially and I can see why he, he was very influential but I thought Paul McShane was the best player on um, on the pitch and if Cass can be more consistent but show that sort of attacking flair on a more more consistent basis over the 80 minutes they're going to be tough for any team to beat um, I think if they'd lost against Salford their top four hopes would have been um, would have been fading, but they're back in the mix now. I think you're looking at a, a top four of Saints, Wigan, um, Catalans, and one other, maybe Warrington, maybe Cass, possibly Leeds. Uh, it, it, it's wide open, but a lot for that last slot, I think, but a lot of it's obviously going to depend on, on the fixture pile-up and who stays fit and who can avoid coronavirus. Yes. Yeah, this is probably as much about what will happen off the field as on it, ironically. Um, but I think as well, the, as you say, uh, the whole KR game was a great fillip uh, for the competition in general. And I know from working the Yorkshire Post side of things in my job that KR have been confident that once they got some players back, that they would be much better than their league position uh, stated. And I think last night they things started to come together again for them. Um, the cast game, <laughs> if there'd been any cast fans in there, I think some of them might have been tempted to walk out after 10 minutes um, and head for the pub. But uh, it was one of those, each each time you looked down and looked up, somebody else was scoring and say the disastrous start and then all of a sudden they were back level and then nip and took all the way till Grant Millington's clinching try. Uh, as you say, I I read both yourself and uh, Dave Craven's reports last night and you both agreed, and, and I would have to too, that McShane was the best player on the field, although Richardson did score that superb individual try and show what he can bring in the longer term to the cast team. But Paul McShane, uh, it was a 10 out of 10 display from him last night for me and rounded off with that lovely try under the posts. And yeah, he's, a good player. he's a good player, isn't he? You can see... He's a converted halfback, and you can see that. But he's he's got everything you need really for a modern um, a modern day hooker. Yeah. Um, he started his career at Leeds, and it never quite worked out for him at Leeds. Um, went to Wakefield, and and but the move when Wakefield swapped him, and he went to Castleford with Scott Moore going in the other direction. Um, that was the making of him, and and he's thrived under Daryl Powell, and he's not far off playing international rugby now, and. and Thoroughly deserved. I think he's just as he's maturing, getting older, he's just getting better and better. Yes, and uh, another, as you say, from the Daryl Powell production line. Um, mm. They always say the sign of a, a great coach is one who improves the players under him, and you certainly can't deny that with Daryl and players like Paul at Cass. In fact, Absolutely. I would imagine quite a lot of players choose Cass uh, because they know that Daryl will improve them, and uh, they'll either win something with them or move on to. You know, 
another club a better player than when they arrived at Cass. Yeah, well, they've, they've, if Niall Evolves does that, he'll be a good so, signing for yes. them, won't he? Yeah, I mean, he he... Lovely touches and attack and defence last night. And he's, he's a quality player. Um, he's joining Cass next season. I mean, they've already got a very good fullback in Gareth O'Brien. But it'll be very interesting to see what um, what Daryl Powell does with Lyle Evans because he's a he's a talent. Yes, yeah, he scored a nice try, and as you say, he's another typical Powell project, isn't it? He's, mm. uh, Daryl will have a plan mapped out for him now, I'm sure, and uh, you know, I'm sure Niall Evans will benefit from playing under Daryl. Yeah, absolutely. And just talking of games, Peter, obviously. Uh, you're our man on the spot there um, most weeks at the games what's it like to uh, cover a game behind closed doors with no fans or the distractions say no noise really you know just you know the, no- the noise really of the players I guess hitting each other I know we have on TV the option where we can have the crowd cheering and so on which takes some of that away but for you to be in the ground um, does it seem very strange I mean even the, even amateur games get a few people and the dogs round, don't they? And some amateur games get great crowds. That's not to yeah. not not yeah. to run down the the amateur game, but you know, normally in a stadium, say like Headingley, where there might be anything between uh, twelve and twenty thousand people, and there's just basically the two teams and the officials and and people helping out on the day to make sure the game runs smoothly. It must be very strange. Yeah, it's it is. It, it, it I don't know. If, if many listeners have watched the team train, but it's very much like that. You can you can hear everything that's being said or shouted. Um, it's interesting to see which players are the ones that do the talking, yeah. which who the organisers are. You can hear what the referee, to an extent, is saying to the players. Um, you can obviously hear who's who's shouting and bawling and swearing and carrying on and who, who the more level-headed ones are. You can hear the hits which is quite yeah. um, quite an eye opener obviously you don't get that impression on television but you can hear the wind being knocked out of players when they're when they're being tackled um, it, it is strange it it's not to watch it's it's very it's very different and it's not anything like as enjoyable as watching a game with a with a crowd in I think you realize how much Rugby league needs supporters in the ground, and just how much a crowd affects the match. When when Leeds beat Huddersfield in the first game back after after coronavirus, they were twenty points down with sort of fifteen minutes to go, and they they fought back a, a fantastic fight back, um, equalised in at the end of normal time and won it in golden point. But there was never really that sense that something special was happening actually in the ground had it been a, a normal game with a the packed south stand you'd have been swept along with the the emotion of, of Leeds's fight back. Yes. but there wasn't really there wasn't really any of that i i sort of looked at the score with five minutes ago and so blimey they, they're right back in this you didn't sort of get the impression that that a remarkable comeback was was on the cards um it would have been a totally different experience in front of a crowd yeah. so it's it's different. It's novel, but the sooner we can get fans back in the in the grounds, the better. I think it will be better for for everybody. For it'll make for a better spectacle on television. Although I think Sky's coverage 
with the tight camera angles and the, the crowd noise has been very good. Not The games I've watched on, on TV have not really noticed that they're being played at empty stadiums, but it'll be better for the players. At the moment, they're having to create their own atmosphere. Some of them are, are making a better job of it than others. Um, but everybody wants to see fans back in stadiums and, and back as soon as possible, really. Yeah, I, th- I think John Wells, a few weeks ago, he, he said that was one really noticeable thing. Uh, the Sky commentator from former Castleford London yes. player, that you could really hear the, the hits. And I remember once, just going off at a slight tangent, but seeing some amateur boxing bouts, and yeah. that was the same. You, you, you soon realised how hard those guys were when they take those body shots, and it, you know, yeah. it cracks into well, them. And it's the same with the the rugby players. Yeah, if you've ever if you've ever been to boxing, particularly if you ever sat ringside, it's nothing like you see on television. Really, no. it <laughs> sanitises it, and and when you're actually there, you. you you do feel the sort of feel the pain. Yes. Um, it's a bit like that in in rugby. You you can hear the collisions and um, and that's that's quite an eye opener, really. I say I'm, I'm I'm interested to hear which what the players are saying and you you know you can hear the chat that's going on to the referee and and among the teams and you can see which player this one player in particular I won't name him who who. He's an organiser and there's an awful lot of shouting and, and swearing, and it's yeah. it's quite interesting to watch him in um, him in action. Um, it does give you a different dimension on things, but as I say, it's, it, as a spectacle, the game's a lot better when when it's played in front of a crowd, even in, in front of a small crowd. Even if yeah, a, an academy game where there's maybe six hundred people in the ground, it, it it is a better spectacle than than an empty stadium. And just really for the, the benefit of our listeners, Peter, obviously as well, the, the access to players and coaches after the game, I mean, normally you could go down in the tunnel or to an organised press conference. Mm. Uh, how, how are you going about that side of the business at the moment? Well, at, at the moment, there isn't really any access. There's no face-to-face access. Yeah. Um, we're, we're tending to do everything, interviews over the phone, um, post-match press conferences are being conducted by Zoom, um, so it, it's very different. Because in, in rugby league, one of the best things from a, a reporter's point of view is the access. Yes, you can get, you can chat to play, players and talk to them face to face, and you get to know these people. And at the moment, it, it's very difficult because we're not seeing them. We're speaking to them at a distance over the phone or over the internet, and. It's not. It's not the same. Um, but again, credit to to everybody in the game who's done their best to make sure that that um, coverage can continue. People, media managers, and and um, the likes at clubs who are who are arranging Zoom press conferences and and making sure we have access to players over the phone. It, it's very much appreciated. It is, and, and by ourselves in the media and newspapers as well, of course, you know, we need things still to fill our pages and we battle through, or the writers battle through during the lockdown period to fill the newspapers each day. And it's still vitally important that we can get their message out there and promote the game and the teams and the players and, and bring everybody the very latest news. Absolutely. Just finally this week, Peter, just looking forward to next week's fixtures. Um, 
over at St. Helens, you were telling me earlier, a bit of a hike over there. For... Yeah, St. Helens seems to become Leeds Rhinos home from home. They're, they're yeah. playing, playing away games at Headingley and home games <laughs> at St. Helens. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it is what, what it is. Um, I don't think there's any advantage or disadvantage really to, to wherever these um, state, whichever stadiums matches are, are staged. And I do I do think Headingley is the, the best place for these behind closed doors matches because of the facilities um, for everybody, really, for, for people working there, for the players, for staff, for media. Um, it's it's outstanding at Headingley. Um, St Helens did a very good job when they hosted matches the other week. Um, Warrington wasn't so good. It's a little bit of a tight squeeze at Warrington. Not their fault, it's just the, the way the, um, the stadium's built. Um, but everybody, as I've mentioned before, everybody involved in getting these games on has done a, a fantastic job um, and should be applauded for it. Um, next week's fixtures, it's, it's difficult really to talk about them, isn't it? Because they could change. We don't so, know what's yeah. going to happen. Um, very difficult to preview them, but Leeds um, didn't, didn't want the weekend off after... Um, coming back and playing so well against Salford last weekend, but they're stuck with it. They'll, I'm sure, use it to work on a few things that, that have been letting them down, but there were positive signs from them last weekend. They'll fancy their chances against Huddersfield. Huddersfield will be certainly fired up to to get the points back after that extra time defeat the other week. Um, Castleford, I think they will... Um, They'll go into their game against Warrington in, in confident mood, having shown some good signs um, the other night. And with Warrington obviously finding it tough with player in a, uh, unavailability and, and that sort of thing. And Hull against Wakefield, anything could happen. Um, Hull got back to winning ways the other week against Huddersfield, but they've been fairly poor. Up until that point, um, you don't know what you're going to get from Wakefield. And again, it, a lot of it just depends on who's fit and who is available for um, for health reasons, really. So very difficult to, to predict what's going to happen. There's not much of a form line at the moment, as we saw from Hull KR beating Wigan, which I don't think anyone would have predicted. So it's um, certainly interesting for the viewers. Not so yeah. good for coaches and, and players, I don't think. No. So, but yeah, it, it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen from week to week in the sport, on or off the field. Yeah, I think, it, well, from my point of view, it would be absolutely typical after I always said that Wakefield would go to Hull and win <laughs> with some kind of patched up 17 um, all playing for each other. And as you say, with, with Hull and their inconsistency, it, it might just be right for that. Uh, yeah, well, obviously not not at Hull. I think it's at, it's at well, yeah, Hull, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know what you mean, but yeah, let, let's hope so. Then, yeah. Wakey need a win sooner rather than later, just to cheer everybody up and um, to provide, provide a bit of light relief after the, the tough few weeks they've had. Definitely, and then say Castleford and Warrington again. Castleford again, obviously, if these games go on, but surely be buoyed by last night's comeback and, and take that into the game and hopefully Leeds can get a game in against Huddersfield you'd, you'd fancy Leeds there and 
Uh, we were just chatting before about, it looks like Simon Wolford, the Huddersfield coach, will be leaving at the end of this season, which is, is a shame to me. I mean, for, again, from my Yorkshire Post side of the job, Simon always comes across as really uh, good. He's a good talker about the game and he's a good ambassador for Huddersfield and he's not fighting to... Uh, throw a few punches when he needs to as well on behalf of this club and the game. So I think he'd be a loss to the English game if he goes home to Australia, but it looks like he's going to. And uh, you know, Leeds will have had the benefit again if the game goes on of a, of an unwanted week off. So they'll be surely come out all guns blazing as well. So throw in the comeback win as well. And there's plenty, plenty of interest there for viewers uh, and neutrals alike and fans alike. Yeah, it should be a uh, it should be a good weekend of um, the fixtures. I think the most important thing is that we all get them all as scheduled, and we don't have any postponements, and we don't have any teams who are without players because they're they've tested positive or they're having to isolate. That's that's the big thing to hope for. I think. Yes, certainly. Okay, Peter. Well, I think that's about it for this week. Uh, once again, thanks for all your comments and insight. Um, just again to remind everybody that they can get the very latest uh, rugby league news via Peter's Twitter account at PetersmithYEP or at YEP Sports Desk or my own at Richard Byron YEP. And in addition, the Yorkshire Evening Post website, yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk, has all the very latest uh, rugby league news and the very latest developments on the coronavirus and sports in general. Uh, so all that's left for me to do now is thank you all for listening and hopefully we'll be back soon.